Tampa, South Florida. The Brian Mudd Show starts right now. Now, now. News Radio 610 WIOD. Hey, hope you're having a wonderful Tuesday. Bloom Daddy filling in for Brian. I will throughout the rest of the week. 866-610-6397. You know, I I see certain stories and I I realize that anymore in society, you just can't have fun. There's always going to be somebody complaining, always somebody saying that they're insulted. You had a Dash for Cash event at a junior hockey game in South Dakota that had teachers scrambling on the ground to try to grab dollars, dollar bills, to buy school supplies, and then the video of it went viral. Ten local teachers competed at this game. They were given five minutes to stuff as many dollar bills in their pockets at church as they could. Up for grabs was literally $5,000. But now you got people calling the competition humiliating, saying that some of these teachers in South Dakota are the lowest-paid teachers around, suggesting the money should have been donated to the teachers in their schools. There is nothing wrong with having fun anymore. I mean, I want to make this point today. There's nothing wrong with what happened here. These teachers had a good time. It's a fun time. I'm sure their students got behind them. It's almost like a mini pep rally at a school. Instead, it took place at a, at a junior hockey game in South Dakota. But this is a prime example that you have some people who lead such pathetic lives that all they do is sit and nitpick and complain. And I, for one, am very, very tired of it. Top headlines out there right now. How about inflation surcharges being added to bills at some restaurants? Let's bring on Dr. Emily Williams-Knight, restaurant industry expert. Emily, you're getting a double dose of me. You had you had a little Bloom Daddy in the, in the morning, and now you get Bloom Daddy in the afternoon. I love it. Not enough Bloom Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard that very often. Hey, but listen, I appreciate you coming back on. Let's talk about this inflation surcharge being added. Are, are people upset about this? Is this is this warranted? You know, I think, you know, it, it's a little bit of education, right? And so we've been telling restaurant operators the initial period of the reopening across the country, they were just sacked with plexiglass, supplies, cleaning solutions, you know, reduced number of tables. I mean, anything you threw at them, all obviously that cost, and there really was no, no source of funding for them. So many of them went and put like a dollar surcharge. And, and we actually saw the consumers respond and say, hey, don't just put a random surcharge on my bill. Let me know what's going on. And so what we've seen is that we've seen menu prices generally are up the highest they've been since 2008 because of labor and the supply chain inflation. Um, and so what we're saying to restaurants is, yes, we are seeing prices increase. We're seeing them across the U.S., but also that putting a, just a random surcharge on a bill, the consumers are not typically dealing with that well. they much rather know, hey, prices have gone up because – we can't get chicken wings, as an example. So that communication and transparency is really important right now. Okay, so the lesson learned here is just be direct and be upfront with the consumer. Absolutely. I sat down at a restaurant last night. I opened the menu, and it said, due to the price of chicken wings, every five pieces is a $2 increase. Right there, boom, insert in the menu. And I was like, okay, great. That stinks, but that's the reality we're living in. You can't get those wings, and if you can, they're 100% over last year. So I think that is a much better way to handle it unless you get your bill is the other option, and you now have a $3 surcharge called COVID when you yourself has just also gone through and navigated the last 20 months. How is the restaurant industry as a whole doing as it stands right now, Emily? (laughs) 
You know, I think it depends on where you are in the country. You know, I have the good fortune of leading the restaurants, 50,000 of them here in Texas. Mm -hmm. Um, And Texas, Florida, some of these states that have been open since May of 20, um, I think are faring better where you have other states that are either threatening, you know, additional restrictions and lockdowns. I think that, you know, sort of overall business climate has been a big driver. But, you know, the supply chain is a huge challenge for us. There's places you can't get cups and straws you know, lids to put on the cup. I mean, we're dealing with so many things that are out of stock or overpriced and getting back the full number of people we need to get back to full capacity. So, you know, I think the next three weeks are going to be very telling. Uh, People have got to lean in and dine out and buy gift cards and really support their local restaurant because January, February tends to be a challenge for us. And so we're, we're certainly not out of the woods by any means. Talking to Dr. Emily Williams, Knight restaurant industry expert. What about from a staffing standpoint? That is still a nightmare, is it not? <laughs> it is. Um, and I think we're seeing new, you know, new populations. Like a lot of folks are coming out of retirement. And with 15 million jobs across the country, restaurants are a great place for them to land. Work, you know, work four shifts a week. Um, help us out and get yourself back with, you know, meeting people and being in an environment. Um, and so we, we've not seen any relief. I mean, I think if you go across where you reside, you will see restaurants that close early, that are closed a certain day of the week, that have had to reduce their menus, um, because many of them are operating at 50% capacity of what, what they can because of the shortage of people. Well, you know, we're talking about inflation. That's one thing that has hit seniors very, very hard, so much so that they're coming back into the workforce because they can't pay their bills. That is a very, very troubling story. At the same time, it's a much-needed injection if you will for the restaurant industry right because now you have some of these people who are retired coming back at least you at least you could add to your staff but are they going to stay forever that's the question yeah and i think the jury's certainly out but i think what we've seen so far is that when they come back into roles like guest experience or managing the dining room to make sure that people's waters are filled they can chit chat with consumers right there's lots of roles that we can create for these individuals um, that what they feel kind of embedded in and they can bring their knowledge and skills from prior work and have sort of a set schedule. Maybe it's that early morning, 5 a.m. to 10 a.m. that we are seeing them stay. And and they're critical. I mean, our team population, right, we've all worked in restaurants. I think it's six out of 10 of us have worked in restaurants at some point as adults. And those teenagers, that population has been dropping since 2000 in the workforce. And so we can no longer rely on that high school student covering a restaurant we've got to have new sources and it's been really for us neat to see that this group is coming out of retirement let's hope it's not just financial but also just to reconnect and that they want to come into restaurants because it's a it's a great place for them to come into all right dr knight thanks for being on the show yeah you bet have a great day all right you too that's dr emily williams knight restaurant industry expert and she's had a double dose of me today on my show in the morning and then right there How about there was already a nationwide nursing shortage before the pandemic? Now it's a full-blown crisis, and it's impacting hospitals all over the nation and every hospital in South Florida. You've got local hospitals relying on schools like Miami-Dade College, Broward College, to train as many nurses as possible as fast as they can. That's never good. I mean, nursing is a very, very... You know, the word delicate is popping up, and when I say delicate, what what I mean by that is... It's very intense training, it's very important training, and it could be life-saving training. You don't want to rush that. I mean, you don't want to you don't want to rush training when it comes to people who are going to be 
right there on the front lines when it comes to handling people's health. To to me, that's a scary situation. But there simply aren't enough nurses to work every shift. And you have a lot of CEOs out there blaming the pandemic. I think a lot of CEOs want to blame the pandemic. And that's partly to do with it. But I know a lot of people who work in different hospitals in different states. I think the CEOs are a big part of this problem. And what I mean by that, I know people that work in three, four, six, seven different hospitals. The dysfunction in these hospitals, which trickles down from the top, unbelievable. I mean, just mismanagement, poor management. CEOs that don't care about morale. CEOs who are more worried about puffing their chests out, saying, look at me, I'm a CEO of a hospital. Egos run amok. And the people who actually make that hospital work kick to the wayside. So when you see stuff like this, the pandemic, without a doubt, playing a role in this, but that's not everything here. It's definitely not everything. Hospitals are no different than any other business. If they are run improperly, if you've got somebody at the top who's inept or who's an arrogant SOB, you're going to see high turnover. Guaranteed. Hey, Vice President Kamala Harris, I hope you're sitting down for this. She finally got something right. I'm not kidding you. The border czar finally got something right. She was asked about the tornadoes. And you know what she said? She said they were devastating. I'm not making fun or light of the situation. I'm just saying this is this is about her only comment since she's become vice president that's even remotely in the ballpark. Even remotely. So break out the booze. Everybody take a shot. Because one of the biggest morons in politics got one right. Now they're gonna now they're gonna take her back into the cave, keep her hidden till the next disaster, roll her out, and she's gonna go, Oh, that's devastating. And then they're gonna put her back in the cave and then roll her out when we have a hurricane and say, Oh, that's devastating. And then put her back you kind of get the picture here, right? David Frum, never hear of him? Probably not. It's because this guy's just smart enough to keep from pooping himself. He's a staff writer for the Atlantic. He is suggesting that hospitals and doctors should give low priority to the unvaccinated, that they should be at the end of the line. End of the line. He said, let hospitals quietly triage emergency care to serve the unvaccinated last. Once them last. Then he doubled down once he got criticism. He said, reading the reactions to this tweet, I am impressed by the immense self-pity of the anti-vaxxers who see themselves as bottomless victims, even as their own bad choices deny hospital care to so many others in desperate need. Well, I'm going to make this point again. We've heard five times our hospital system nationwide is going to be overrun. It's never happened. If you believe it has, I hate to break it to you. It's never happened. It's been one of the false narratives pushed throughout this whole thing. It's never happened. Over 11,000 hospitals out there, there's never at one point in time been more than 10 that have been pushed to the limit. Not once. Not once. And if this guy's okay with that, if he says if you're unvaccinated, you should go to the end of the line, well, then guess what? If you're fat, end of the line. If you smoke, end of the line. If you don't exercise daily, end of the line. That's the way it's going to be. According to this guy, end of the line. 1115, Bloom Daddy back after this. From smartphones and... 